Welcome to a new episode of the Sunday Sauce. I'm here with Corey Zelnick, founder and chief executive officer of Zelnick and Company. He's a, a real estate guy, big real estate guy in New York City. Corey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Michael. So, Corey, um, when did you get into real estate? When did you decide you wanted to get into this? Um, I, I've been doing this for over 30 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've always been uh, involved on the retail side of real estate. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, it wasn't uh, a decision that I made. It, it came to me at the time. This goes back actually to 1986. I was by almost 35 years. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for something to do in the world. I was thinking about Wall Street. I did not come out. Of, I'm a, you know, I'm a sort of roll your sleeves up kind of guy. I didn't come out of school with a business degree, mm-hmm. uh, although I'm very proud to be a University of Maryland Terrapin. Um, and I was looking for a job. I was looking for a job on wall street. Wall street had some problems back in 86. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine said, Hey, I know a guy who's looking for somebody. And for $250 a week, I had the privilege of walking the streets of Manhattan. And that's, and that started my real estate career. So <laughs> you worked on wall street for a little bit. No, so I didn't. I couldn't did get it. a job on wall. You couldn't get a wall. You could. So $250 a week back in 1986. Was that, was that a lot of money? No, not really. Not really. All right. <laughs> How old were you back then, if you don't mind me asking? Not at all. Not at all. I was 22. So you're 22. You're making $250 a week, which is probably like $500 a week now, right? Maybe, perhaps? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, who knows with the 40% inflation, but okay. We'll exactly. see. Yeah, we're not going to get into that. So then you decide you want you go into real estate, right? Yes. Um, so what, what did you exactly do at that time? I, I lit, literally... My job was to walk the streets of Manhattan. It was a, it was a retail-based real estate company. Uh-huh. It was all about the stores, which is all about the streets. Scouting, like scouting, like looking. Yeah, it was. Yep, you you. Well, at the time, because I was so new to the business, right? It was about you know me gaining more familiarity. I I was from okay. the city already. Okay, okay. But it was getting gaining familiarity with neighborhoods via their stores and their streetscape, mm-hmm. and we literally we literally mapped the streets right block to block store by store Mm -hmm. and along the way you took down phone numbers that were in the windows where it said store for rent things like that and uh, you know if you were if you were walking with a map that said you know there was a pizza place here but the pizza place was gone and now it was a hamburger place then you would update the map Okay. And and back back then it wasn't about computerization or technology. It was literally by hand. Right. So I mean, back in the 80s, New York was like a shithole, right? I mean, I was born in 1989, right? So I don't what do I know? I'm 32 years old. But my, my right. parents tell me like D- Dinkins, Dinkins was one of the worst mayors ever. And you know, so I can only imagine. Well, he wasn't mayor quite then, right? Was he yet? No. No, I don't I don't think no. he was mayor yet. I yeah. think we, I think um we probably still have the end of it the end of Ed Koch's era. Right, right. So, but I know New York was like on a downward spiral like yep. back then. So I can only imagine what you've seen walking the streets of New York back then. Yeah. And, and, and quite frankly, um, the, my terror, you know, they kept me below 96th street because mm-hmm. things were, there were problems north mm-hmm. of 96th street. And so I pretty much stayed below 96th street, walked all over, you know, first Avenue, second Avenue, East side, West side, and just just taking notes 
And because of some of the problems that the city was going, were going through, you know, there were a lot of vacant stores, mm -hmm. something that was, that's not too dissimilar to what we were going through here right. now, right. Uh, you know, so it's taking down phone numbers, making a lot of phone calls and just trying to learn the business. So you're doing that. How long are you doing this, uh, you know, little scouting business and doing writing down things for? Well, I had an interesting, I had an interesting experience at the time. So, so you have to you have to get a with a, a license. It's, initially, it's called the salesperson's license to do okay. it, right. and you and you could start working, which I did, and then as long as you register for the course. Okay. So so here I am. I'm getting two fifty a week, and I register for my course, and it's the fall. It's the fall of '86, and the course is not. You know, I don't want to mock the course, but it wasn't like you were studying for brain, you know, how to do a, you know, a heart transplant. Right. Yeah. And so you, you get, you got to put time in. And so I'm sitting in this course and I'm in the back of the room uh, with three gentlemen. And I, again, I guess I'm aging myself, but I had a, a Sony, a Sony Walkman wow. with me. And I had one, one piece of the headphone in my ear because the Mets were in the World Series. Right. And so I'm sitting in the back of the room with one piece in my ear and these guys see me and I'm giving them score updates throughout and we become fast friends and they offer me a job. So wow. I get off, I get off the streets and now I'm going to do real estate, but I'm really going to work. I'm not just going to be walking the streets right. and they offered me $25,000 a year plus some commission. So I'm very excited. And so I, that's my next my next phase into the business. And, you know, so I got to work on projects, uh, trying to lease them again, all retail related. Everything that I've ever done throughout my entire career is around retail. And so I advanced myself. I got involved with some projects, did that for a couple of years. Then, then that company went bankrupt. Hmm. Um, I, I bounced around the brokerage business a little bit and that's all commission based. And I took my lumps because the market was shifting. And then I was very fortunate and I got an, uh, it was a career changer. I got an opportunity to work in-house at CVS Pharmacy. Okay. Okay. Now yeah. at the time, CVS Pharmacy had no stores in this New York City metro market. And the job was specific. It was to grow the chain in this market. Right, because Dwayne Reed was probably the only game in New York at the time, right? That's correct. And so, yeah. so a funny, a funny thing I always had, like with with my mom, because we, we, you know, we're here. From, I'm from the city, so to, to my mother and to most New York City residents, Dwayne Reed was the biggest drugstore right. in the world. Right. No <laughs> one even knew any other drugstore but Dwayne Reed. That's it. That's, that's it. That's that's it. correct. Yeah. And at the time, Dwayne Reed had about forty stores, mm -hmm. and CVS had eleven hundred. Okay, wow. but. If you were from New York City, you didn't know that. Exactly. And Walgreens wasn't here at the time, and right. Rite Aid wasn't here at the time. So it was just about Dwayne Reed. And so the CVS opportunity was a wonderful thing for me. Um, the market beat me up. And here I was. I was now getting a salary job of about 80000 a year, plus a bonus. But I work for a company now. I have a, re right. I have a job. Right. And I spent three years helping CVS grow in the market. And- because they were so big and this was a new market to them, everything proceeded in a very methodical manner. Mm. And we hit a point where we had identified about 15 locations and some of them were Brooklyn, some of them were Queens, and they were literally ground up developments. They wanted to wait out the market 
in terms of let's build the stores, let's open them up, and let's see how the New York City market receives CVS. And I hit a point in time after about three or so years where there was nothing for me to do. And they, and they knew that also. And they, they would send me out to like Suffolk County to go mm. find opportunities for them. And I'm, you know, I'm a city guy. I was going crazy. Yeah. Um, I get the good fortune of meeting a gentleman who runs a small brokerage company here in the city. And he and I, and, and his name was Jeff Winnick. And, you know, we're, we had some issues, but we're fast friends now. Um, and he was working with a company called Dwayne Reed. Oh. And I'm coming out of now. Um, and when I left CVS, I got the, I, the, I thanked my boss, you know, for what I called a master's degree in corporate retail real estate. And that's right. what it was. And he was happy for me. It was amicable, uh, amicable separation. And I took that experience and joined uh, Jeff and we wound up rolling out. I did about 200 Dwayne Reeds Holy in shit. about nine years. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. And so, yes. So I, you know, I had a good fortune and then, you know, Jeff and I had what we call philosophical differences mm -hmm. and I, I spun off from Jeff and I now have my company, Zelnick and Company for almost 16 years. Wow. So you, you, you basically are like living the uh, American dream. You started from the bottom and now here you are, you start your own company doing six, six very successful so what, what was your first big contract? Well, your first big sale at your own company? Well, you know, it's, it's, le it's leasing. It's primarily right. leasing. Right. But I, 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 you know, I had, you know, part of when I separate, when Jeff, Jeff Winnick and I separated, you know, a certain part of the business stayed with him and certain part of the business stayed with me. Mm -hmm. uh, he maintained, he actually maintained the Dwayne Reed account after I left. Mm -hmm. But I was able to, I, I represent one of the largest independent landlords here in Manhattan. And he stayed very loyal to me. And I still work with him now, 22 consecutive years representing his properties. There are mm. you know, um, hundreds of retail spaces around the city that he owns. And I, I kept the check because it was my first commission with the new company. And we did a Starbucks transaction where I was on the landlord side. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first fee wow. with, the new with the new company. Wow. So it's, it's very, it's very exciting. And, you know, it, here, here I am, you know, like I said, 16 years later, mm -hmm. I still represent that landlord mm -hmm. and I, and I, and I have other clients now that I represent. I, I, I get to, you know, our business, uh, some people choose one side or the other. I've had the good fortune to continue to represent landlords and to continue to represent tenants. I represent companies, uh, Smashburger, Panda Express, right. uh, more locally, uh, Lenwich. Yeah, I know uh, Lenwich. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, so I represent Lenwich. So mm -hmm. that's the kind of business I do regularly. And along the way, I've been able to invest in properties. So I have some ownership interests in properties uh, throughout the city. So, it, it, you know, it's been good. It's been good. It, a lot of bumps and bruises along the way, but it was, it's been very good. So when the pandemic hit, you know, yep. do you, do you, were you nervous or no? Because you had, a, you have, because you do pretty much all commercial, right? You don't That's do correct. any, you, like your investments may be residential, maybe, but you're, no, my, my, you're, my investment, my investments are, are also focused. They're all commercial. Retail. So you're not, you weren't really worried that much because the restaurants still doing takeout and they're like very, 
the commercial business is they they have a lot of money. I mean, I can't see Panda Express going out of business like just like that because of the pandemic. I can't see like Lenwich going out of business. I, I don't know. What what were your thoughts when this pandemic came? Well, you know, you, you you start what you do is when you spend so much time in the business, you start to think about various things going back and what you've experienced, mm-hmm. right? So so you can go back to the early on where I was just too young to really truly realize where the market was crashing late eighties, early nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, but where I first jump into it, when I review history, I say nine 11, right? Because, because the, every single thing just flat out stopped, it just stopped. And so how did we come out of that? And we had to be patient and we had to see what was going on and we had to catch our breath and mm-hmm. understand what was happening. And then you jump to, uh, 08, when the financial crisis hits and what happens, you know, I started my own company and it was uh, August of 06. And so I'm really gearing up. And then all of a sudden, oh, wait, happens. Holy right. shit. What do we, you know, what do we do next? Right. 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 So, so you, you start to look back at history and see how you handled it. This was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, when the pandemic hit, it was more similar to 2001 where everything just flat out stopped. And so, right. What we, what we had to do, uh, like with Panda Express and with Lenwich, I had to go back to all of my landlords. Now, remember, I'm representing the tenants here. Mm-hmm. We had to go back to every single one of those landlords and restructure the leases. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was challenging because, you know, from the brokerage side, you don't get you don't get paid to do that work because you've already been paid for it. Right. But you have to maintain relationships. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Panda is a much larger company. Uh, their corporate guarantees. And so you work on a whole deferral system. So I'm not going to you know, put you to sleep with that, but we restructured. Uh, Len, which is a little different. He's a 19, st- a 19 store mom and pop. Mm-hmm. And so each one of his stores stands individually from a, from a uh, financial structure perspective. And so what we did there, we went back to 19 stores and tried to figure it out. And if the landlords didn't want to work, Lenny just closed up shop, mm. closed up shop. And we said, we'll wait this out. And if we have to, we'll move down the block. Right. Um, and so we did some of that type of stuff. So that, so that was happened. It was, it was a little, it was very interesting. It was a little tenuous, you know, May, June, July. Cause that, you know, you know, um, I guess it was April, April 20, you know, March, right. March 15th, give or take mm-hmm. of 20 is when it hits. So that March, April, May was a little bit tenuous. But everybody, you know, everybody was sort of big boys and girls. Mm-hmm. And we figured it, we figured it out as far as those guys go. And quite frankly, by I would say August, we were out looking for opportunities. Wow. Really? And, and could, yeah, because because them, like me personally, believe in the city. We believe right. in the city. Right. And, right. and so we we started looking for those type of opportunities. Um, Smashburger which is more around the country and just mm-hmm. getting their, you know, their feet wet locally. Right. Uh, they slowed it down a little bit. They took some pause. We had signed some leases. We're going to finish construction and they took a little bit of a pause. And then we got, you know, eventually got back, got back in the game. Hmm. Do you think like the mom and pops uh, restaurants are in Manhattan? I'm talking about now, not like sure. in, in the outer boroughs, like where I live in Brooklyn, Mom and pops can still uh, survive here, but like, 
in Manhattan, do you think like mom and pop restaurants are just done and it's now it's the it's the year of the commercial and the change just because of all the financial backing they have? Or do you think mom and pops can survive after this? We're still going on with this pandemic. Do you think, you know, landlords would just give them a break or you think it's just like going to be all commercial restaurants now? Well, it's a little bit of both. The, the a lot of the like to use your phrase commercial meaning right. the larger companies right you know they're not necessarily going to go on east 33rd street right that's right. going to be that's going to be for the mom and pops mm-hmm. is those side street locations so they'll be opp- they'll be opportunity it's going to be tough because the city is just no matter how you slice it it's never cheap mm-hmm. um so so it does cost some money to do some things i think this you know looking back on all of you know, my history uh, in the business, I would say this is the first time that I really feel like the landlords are taking more into consideration as it relates to the tenants, mm-hmm. as opposed to just give me the last buck, give me the last buck, give me the last buck. And and so you have to do that, especially on those side street locations, because there is not a vast list of retailers, whether it's a restaurateur or a dry goods retailer, who's looking to be on those side streets. So the landlord's got to play ball. And so I think that opportunity will be there um, on the avenues, a little bit different. Again, to allude to how you refer to them as commercial, the bigger time guys, there'll be more opportunities for them on the avenues, less likely for the mom and pop just because of the costs. Now, the whole retail landscape is changing. Right. I was actually going right. to tell you, I was, I was going to give you an example about the sure, retail. So tell me what you think of this. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. That's where I live. So I don't, right. I put a pen, I put a Panda Express on 86. So between all right. fourth or fifth. So you, that's, I live, I live over there by over there. So, you know, Century 21, obviously it's the original yep. Century 21 yep. went out of business. Yep. Okay. So I heard that the only reason why Sephora and Victoria's Secret opened across the street was because Century 21 was there. That's right. So now what do these, these stores do? Century 21 was supposed to come back where the TJ Maxx was on the corner of 86th and, and 5th because they own right. that building as well. The people who yep. own Century 21 because TJ Maxx yep. is gone. That's gone now. They, don't, they didn't want to renew the lease. So, right. But they're not coming back. So what, what happens to 86th Street? It's a ghost town. In Bay- that used to be the place to be in Brooklyn to go shopping. You know that. Fulton yes. Mall downtown. And then there was mm-hmm. 86th Street in Brooklyn. Yeah, and, and both of those streets, 86 and Fulton, uh, Fulton still to this day because right. of all the upzoning and the way they right. changed it. Right. But they they always got for years and years always got what we would call Manhattan rents, right? Because right. of the value. And mm-hmm. yes, it was 100 percent driven by Central 21 and the, and the, and the Gindi family mm-hmm. and and the properties that they controlled and all and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, when a Sephora and those guys come in because of that, then you know, the world, the world blows up mm-hmm. and, and Century 21 leaves, you know, that's the difference between a corporate and a mom and pop. So, you know, Sephora's on the hook. They're on the hook for the lease. There's not much, they're really not that much they could do. If business went so bad and they wanted to close up shop and maybe sublease the space, you know, they could do that. But Sephora, the company is on the hook. Wow. And that, that just, that's the business. Um, so is, that, is so, that like a, that's a bad forecasting. I mean, not really cause it's a pandemic, but I mean, like, I feel like they really put too much stock into century 21 to open up a store right across the street from them. You know what I mean? Or do you think like, if there wasn't a pandemic, that's a good move. I guess you really can't foresee yeah, yeah, a pandemic I, coming. Right. 
Right. Because if you right. look at it, right, you, you, you know, you, 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 your mom, your mom was swallowing you. And mm-hmm. Century 21 was there it's doing true. what they were doing. I've been going so, to Century 21 since I was a baby. I remember. So, yeah. Exactly <laughs> right. So, so if, if, you know, we as, you know, as brokers, mm-hmm. we always pitched 86th Street in Bay Ridge mm-hmm. because of Century 21. Because if you look at the history, how could you not? True. True. Right. So, so this was the, this was just the worst of all worst things. But mm-hmm. what people forget, this is what people forget, Michael, or didn't realize or whatever. Ret- retail in general was circling the drain before right. the pandemic. Right. Because online problem- shopping, Amazon, all that. Correct. Correct. There were inherent problems in the retail business. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was the pandemic exacerbated that and then it also became a convenient excuse for a lot of people Mm -hmm. oh the pandemic the pandemic the fact of the matter is if you looked at their books a year before the pandemic you'd see they were in the shitter anyway but i liked going to century 21 because you never knew what they had like you could get a nice pair of of diesel jeans that were 300 for like 80 (laughs) dollars, or you can get like you know you can get like i don't even know versace it's you know you never knew what you're gonna find Century 21. that's that was like the whole excitement for me to go to century 21 i'm sure other people as well and then they just opened up the shoe one across uh right across the street so mm-hmm. i don't know it, I, it was more of the excitement for me as a shopper to go to century 21 that's what i miss about it not 100%. like you know yeah. you agree Corey? like you know no, 100 yeah. percent. and by the way and just just so you know okay a hun- century 21 was not one of the retailers that were in the shitter because they would it, it, you know circling but Pardon my French, circling the drain. I, I a dear friend of mine was their broker. Okay. Mm-hmm. He had 10 deals mm-hmm. in the pipeline across the country mm-hmm. for these guys. Right, right. For the for the exact allure that you're talking about. It really worked. And so people really wanted this and they found it, it took a long time mm-hmm. that it was very, it was very well received mm-hmm. across the country. Mm-hmm. But they got, for, for some reason, you know, the pandemic and whatever, just put a kibosh on them. It was very quick. Hope. It was very oh, quick. Yeah. yeah. I oh, couldn't yeah. believe it. When they said Century 21 was going out of business, I was like, we are fucked. Like New York City, yeah. done. When Century 21 <laughs> goes out of business, I mean, all, all, all of them, not just like the 86th Street one is is the best one, the original one. But you're saying right. all of them is going out of business? I, I couldn't believe it. I know. I know. And then because, Mayor Dumb Blasio, the dumbass yes. he is, he's like, oh, they're coming back. I promise. And what happened? They're not coming back. I was teased. I was teased. Yes, they're not coming back. No. They, they, they may, they may reinvent themselves on a smaller scale, mm-hmm. but, but that's, but that's what, you know, that's part of the, the, the dynamic change in retail, because the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is everyone likes to say the internet, the internet, the internet. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, statistic you to death. Okay. Right. But I'm telling you, a lot of people still shop in the stores, and right. the percentage the percentages show you that it's still higher that mm-hmm. they're going to the stores. What what has evolved in the retail real estate business now is not the real estate, but the retail business mm-hmm. is that a lot of the retailers, some that, a lot of the names that you're familiar with, have figured it out. Initially, they couldn't figure it out. You know, you could you could go into the gap. Okay, and there'd be a pair of jeans for fifty bucks, whatever, fifty dollars. Yeah. But I, but your phone says fifty dollars less thirty percent, mm-hmm. and the two 
were not working with each other. Exactly. And so exactly. it was all screwed up. Mm-hmm. So the better retailers have figured that out. The word mm-hmm. is omnichannel, right? They okay. figured it all out to, to work within themselves. Mm-hmm. And so what the eventuality will be is that these, you know, the gap and, and whatever, they'll just be smaller footprints mm-hmm. on the street because they don't need inventory. You go, I have my daughter, okay? My, my daughter is a sophomore at the University of Maryland, okay? okay? Uh, which is where I went to. Um, so uh, so I, go, I go down to visit her a, a month or so ago and we go down to DC because if you're in Maryland, you take 20 minutes, you go down to Washington, DC. Right. I took a couple of her girlfriends out uh, for lunch mm-hmm. and, and I'm sitting there with my wife and we're going to pay the check. And she's like, dad, my friends and I, we're going to go down to Zara. We want to go over to Zara. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, go over there. I'll pay the check and we'll come meet you. So right. I walked down the block with my wife and the freaking Zara is packed. I mean, if you might, if you were a Democrat, you'd call it a super spreader event, <laughs> but it was fucking right. packed. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, line out the I'm door, sure, line, sure. to get the, line to get the, <laughs> but, but to my, to my overall point, she went upstairs, she looked at a coat, a jacket that she had wanted. Mm-hmm. The line was insane. Mm-hmm. She said, "This is fucking crazy." We walked out. She took our phone out. Went boom and boom. And right two days, and two days it was delivered. Amazing. And so, right, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So now, but now the retailers have that in sync with themselves. Right. They're still making money regardless. A- exactly. And yeah. the other thing, the other, th- the other thing is, mm-hmm. is um, again not to bore you with statistics. It's fine. But the cost of customer acquisition mm-hmm. is much greater online than it is having bricks and mortar. Mm. That's what these guys have found. Because if you think about it. Wait, but let, pair- let me ask you real quick on that, though. So why does Amazon have those brick and mortar stores then? Why do they? Yeah. If that's yeah, the because, case. For that exact reason. Oh, okay. because Because what happens is this. You order something from whether it's from Amazon or the Gap. I know okay? they have the hub, the lockers, right? That's whatever you can go pick it that's up. That's different. Locker. Yeah. No, but that but that's different because what happens is you go buy you you order yourself a pair of pants, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. They come in, they're too big. You mm-hmm. send it back. They send you back another pair of pants. They're too small. You send it back. But every time it's going back and forth, they're paying for it. So their margin continues to shrink and shrink and shrink. Mm. So if you walk, if you walk into that Amazon store and you try on those pair of pants and then you order it, it comes once it's the right size. You're done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so the multiple of that, that Mm -hmm. multiple, right? How many people, I mean, Warby Parker, the glasses guys, they start, they started out, they, they probably still do it. I've never done it. You order five pair of glasses and they tell you, keep what you want, send back the rest. Mm-hmm. Well, they're paying for the back and the forth. Mm-hmm. And so now you walk into, if you, you walk into Warby Parker, you go in, you try on your look, you this, you that, they send it to you once. Mm-hmm. And so their costs are lessened Less, right. and it keeps their margins up. But when mm-hmm. you do it online, all of these companies, you know, they, they all talk about the return. The cost of the return is a disaster. Right. I mean, Amazon has, cre- I think, it's, I believe it's Amazon has created relationships with like Coles. 
You know, the coals yes, that are around yes. the country. You go to coals and return something now. Exactly. Yes, just, yes, so, yes. just so there's a place. Right. And so it, it right. You don't have to go to a UPS store anymore. You could go to coals instead because the UPS store is ridiculous sometimes. And and mm -hmm. Amazon has made an arrangement with mm -hmm. Kohl's, mm -hmm. so their cost is down. Mm -hmm. And Everybody Kohl's wins. is happy. Right. And Kohl's mm -hmm. is happy because you know why? You walk into a Kohl's. Maybe you find something to buy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, just like what Starbucks did. With Target, there's a star, there's a Starbucks at every Target now, so you know yep. you don't have to go to a Starbucks and wait in line when you're shopping. You get Starbucks, yeah. you can get you go to Target to buy toothpaste, and you walk yeah. out with four hundred dollars in in whatever and and a Starbucks uh, fucking frappuccino that costs That's another right. fifteen hundred dollars. And I'll and I'll give it to you at its basic. I'll give it to you at its basic level. It was done many years ago, just because I come from the drugstore world. Okay. Mm -hmm. Any drugstore, you pick it any way you want in US, in the United States of America and anywhere else. Mm -hmm. The pharmacy is always in the back. It is. Because that, that's the service provider. And so what happens? You have to walk the aisles to get there. Wow. You know what? That's amazing. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> this is why you make the big bucks, man. You know, nah, you know nah, things, nah. man. Come on. <laughs> wow. Well, listen, Corey, you gave me a lot of time. I really appreciate it. You're no, very insightful. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, hopefully you prosper even more because you uh, really built something for yourself. I want to be God, like man. you uh, with the podcast. No. I want to start from the bottom and be a and, powerhouse. And you and listen and you will. And, and I tell our friend Lauren all the time because she and I did a podcast. She and I did a podcast. I don't know if she told you. We did oh, a podcast. It got squashed, right? I know. I heard it got squashed. She got squashed. But and, 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 I know it's terrible. It's terrible. I it's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. But I, I look. I love doing this. And if there's an opportunity, I'll do it anytime you want. We can talk more politics next time if you'd like. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm a New York City guy, born in Queens. Spent my most 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 of my life in the city. Happy love to spend that. time with you. Happy to help you in any way that I possibly can. And you know, I, I look forward that. to your growth. And uh, you know, let's do it anytime you want. Thank you, Corey. Appreciate that, man.